right before this episode with Martin Maloney starts, please subscribe to the Spotify account. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Generous by Podcast. And please share to your friends and get the word out there. Uh, enjoy today's episode with Martin. Martin Maloney, welcome to the General Spec Podcast. How are you keeping? Thanks, TJ, man. Excellent to be here. Good, good. Have, great to have you on. Um, it's an absolute showstopper of a podcast already. I'm uh, trying to, yeah, trying to, trying to get them out here, get the word out, and I really appreciate yourself coming on. Plenty nah, no of, worries, man. Uh, Listen, I tell you, there's a, there's a lot of pricks out there, yeah, the bastards, and I've invited them onto my podcast. Some of them, will, you, you'd be all right with lads who'd say. Ah, uh, no, I'm busy. You'll be like, all right, at least you got back. But the other wankers don't even get back to you. Fuck them. Fuck the prince, exactly. Cunts. <laughs> well, to... Uh, strung up and shot. I'm sure most people who will be listening to this now have a fair idea who you are and what you've done. But just for those people out there, I'll give a bit of a background to you and then you chime in with I missed. Oh, so, I'll chime away, man. Chime away. So, Liverpoolian. Uh, moved to Mayo, young age. You're oh. an actor, oh. writer, musician, star of Hardy Books as Eddie Durkin. Yeah. You played uh, Vigrid in Vikings. That's right. Robert Gatelli. Um, you've done a whole pile of other things, but you're active on Twitter as Eddie Durkin and Mark Maloney. And, and That's Instagram. right. Yeah. What have I I've, I've also started, well, well, I've just started with um, TikTok because I can't even remember the name of it. I think it's at Maloney Hey. Uh, or the or the Eddie Durkin official, do you know what I mean? I'm really trying to break away from that character there, TJ. Do you know what I mean? I'm really trying to break loose of the of the uh, of the past, trying trying new new um, new things there with the yeah. name with the name. Just you know, Eddie Durkin. Like that's something that's just fresh and hasn't been done yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you said as well, or mentioned as well about before about the podcast and um, how's that going for you? Are you doing are you doing much on that? With Maloney's ideas. I, I haven't done a uh, oh yeah I mean I do I do with the uh, the old uh, Friday night sessions um, but I'm I'm just trying to make make content. See the thing is with me it's like I'm like what the one am I supposed to do you know it's like just you know, I look at Stevie Kelly he's thriving now and every day he's he's up there about seven or eighteen times a day and he's doing little videos and that and I'm like how, how do you think of it but I think he just gets in. He gets a thought into his head, and he's like, "Right, I'll, 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 you know, maybe write a gag or two, and then just does it and delivers it." And yeah. that's something people have been telling me to do for ages. But I'm like, "But what am I going to talk about?" But like Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and the fucking international bastard banking war criminals. It's like, who wants to hear that, man? People just want to. He'd be like, "Oh, I was at Nando's the other day, and Justin Bieber came in as I was all swooping." You know, or you know, like, all right, there, lad, fucking Liverpool humour, lad, all right, get in there, purple hockey and fucking pool cues and, you know, pit bulls and that. Yeah. So I don't know, there's a lot of different things I could do. I think it's just got to start, start the camera rolling and just, um, but it's, it's easy when someone gives you a little, a little uh, talk about this. Like, okay, sound. It's, it's kind of like, told off once said about me, he's like, Martin, you're like a creative missile, but you just need, steering in the right direction I was like thank you very much uh, take that with me to the grave <laughs> so, so bring the, the right grave back. of finance that came about when he just jumped ship I'll never forgive him for it <laughs> that's, uh, that's great like and the, the um... is it though <laughs> but, but, uh, going, going right back to the stars like um, born, born in Liverpool Oh yeah, well, not, not quite Liverpool, Merseyside. Because if I have any any scouse people here, they'd be like, "No, you're a wool. You come from the posh path." And I'd be like, "Yeah, lad, I came from fucking Liscard, man." And it's like, "Yeah, all right. It's a quite nice, sleepy suburb, fairly low on crime, and you know, sound." But there was lads who came from Seacombe and that, and they had like tracksuits on and shaved heads, and sometimes you know, they try and flex you for your lunch money. You know, other than that, it's quite a posh part, I suppose. Yeah. What 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 age did you did you move to Mayo? I was fucking old enough, no better, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. Uh, start. I came over when I was twelve. 
started okay. school on my 13th birthday, so just over 27 years ago. Now I'm showing my age there, lad. Okay. My age is 40. You just gave me fucking age right there, basic maths. And, um, but like, how did you find? Because I remember, like, there was a lad in my school, um, Patrick, it was, it, it, the most Irish name in the world, Patrick McDermott, gingerhead fella. Um, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's hit all the right boxes for he, fucking, he, he's ripe for a bit of bullying. <laughs> well, he was, he was from like Essex or somewhere. But like I remember, like we all make, we make fun of him for being like you know English and and all that tan. But it sounded like Ricky Butcher from fucking Coronation Street. But like for you, <laughs> did did you get like, or how did it find for you? Were you were you like? You... Right, there was a couple. There was a couple of dicks, like do you know what I mean. But you get them everywhere, and being a big lad who was handy enough with the dukes, I kind of, uh, I, you know, and also, yeah, I was all right. You know, there was a couple of times where couple of guys right up to no good and start making trouble in the neighbourhood and mm. didn't have a, a rich uncle in Bel Air to hang out with so I just had to stay in Swinford and, and, and deal with it but mm. oh fuck no man fucking hell <laughs> and give me some street cred lad did um were the boys did, were they like all the wank off a woman you? in the nightclub in Galway five times <laughs> did did um was was Owen and 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 Chris and all the lads there? Were they all in? Were they all in the same school as you? Or did you bunch of them? fucking Protestants, man. That's all they are. Those cunts. <laughs> ah, they were, yeah. They were. <laughs> Sick of talking about the cunts these days. You know what I mean? And, nice, n- nice bunch of lads, right? But fucking bored, bored of talking about them. Did, Where were they for my fortieth? Who was the only one who came over? God bless them. Oh. I mean, I know, I know the kids and stuff, and well, actually, cowboy does. I let him off. I understand him. And I know Pete was down in Goa. What were the rest of the match? They missed out on a good fucking session. And I tell you one thing now, TJ, I'll be taking this bit of begrudgery to the grave. Well, um, the Irish are very good at the old begrudgery, like you know. So it's you kind know of... what I do, TJ? I'll get a bomb. And I bring all the boys over, and I'm like, here, boys, fucking free money and publicity, and uh, here, over this gaff. And I'll, I'll have a vest on, bombs rigged up to it, and I'll be like, hey, lads, check out this six-pack. Psych. And I'll be like, look at us dead bastards. You did this to me, boys. Because you didn't come over to a well-publicized event in Stockholm. That's what you get. Sorry, I've... I've Not uh, Stockholm, I've, Merrill. Yeah, I'm a bit daft, man, uh, today. Sorry, I'm, I'm just in a bit of wild form. No, no. Do you know what I mean? I, and and, and I got excited, excited to be on the podcast with you, man, because you were there since day one. You know what I mean? You're one, of, you're one of the OG original Hardy Books disciples. You even came down for the filming and everything, man. Myself and, I, I, yeah, myself and Luke. I, do you know, looking back on that, actually, shout out to Luke Murray, uh, a.k.a. or at uh, Irish Physio. Luke Irish Physio. Very active on, on, on Instagram. Get the post out there, man. Get the get the get the pro, the plug in from. Exactly. Well, I remember. Uh, this is this is not about me, but I, Galway days. You man. in on the story. Galway days. The, the you put an ad up on your on Facebook looking for extras, and myself and Luke had nothing for doing Williamstown, so we balled yeah. up thinking there'd be a ton of people in the pub and all that or whatever. And I remember walked in and there was there was Owen, there was a French toast, and there was someone else I think there, and uh, we we're like. Jesus, there's no one else here. And we were kind of a bit shy. So we sat in the corner and French Toast walks over and he says, that's any chance you want to do a bit extra? And like, that's what we're here for. But anyway, we still talk about that day. And Luke, who was in that clip, who actually made the cut, not that himself. He, uh, you know, Luke is in foundation maths. And that, that kind of stuck with him <laughs> to this day, which is great bit of, you know, memorabilia. Because I think, like, not to plumb too much. It but, steered him towards the physio, man. He had to just go back and get those grades. He's, he's, he, yeah, and now he's actually going for medicine. So, you know, you put him on that path, like he and the lads. He's like Sean Connery in that movie, Medicine Man. <laughs> so, how did, how looking looking back on like you coming over and you know, yeah. coming into from from Merseyside to to, to Swinford? Did you like straight away? Because how? Firstly, I'd like to ask, how did you get the accent so spot on, like? Because it's very, it's, it's not an easy one to do. You see, it's just called natural talent. You know what I mean? And and just like it's mind blowing mimicry of the highest order. And it was never ever appreciated by the bastards 
in the Irish film and TV world. And I tell you what I'm going to do, TJ. I'm going to round them all up one day, right, in a shed. I'm just going to let loads of Rottweilers in, just be like, just be like laughing as they're getting mauled, and I'll just be standing there filming it and putting it up on live leak, being like, after. Um, no, but um, I, don't know, I was always, I was always asked. That, my, my older sister was always saying, "Martin, do an impression of Uncle this or cousin or neighbor down the road or your dad." So I was always doing impressions, and then um, yeah, it's just just something that you know. And also, when I, when I moved over to school, being rowdy and having ADHD and quasi Tourette's and whatnot, a restless spirit, let's say. Uh, I'd like to just shout inappropriate things out in class, just to like, and it was always in my in my journal. It was always like, Martin was disruptive in class. And I was like, that was I was like, is that the most creative, you know, uh, verb you can you can yeah. have is is just disruptive. But I guess looking back and just to save time, it was a catch all for my rowdy behavior in school. And so if I was shouting things out, I'd always have to. I'd always have to like put an Irish accent on because I was like, yeah, sheep shearing or something like this. You know, those yeah. chuggers. Like shouting out random shit in the class and, and other people would, would kind of, they'd be like, well, it's not Maloney because he can't speak. He, I know his accent. And uh, even my youngest sister did it once. She was in school and she went, are oh, you talking shite? And uh, the teacher was like, <laughs> Sheila Reddington, out to the principal's office now. <laughs> So, the, the, um, you were the, I remember you, you talking before about how, like, you were... I'm only an old cunt. <laughs> <laughs> you were working on the building sites, and you were, Oh, fucking plenty of them. Tell, uh, tell, us, tell us any good stories from the old building days. Oh, plenty of stories, man, but I'll tell them another day. Sounds. Part <laughs> <laughs> two. Oh, man, for fucking hell. I was working with my dad and brother-in-law uh, a couple of years in, in Dublin. And I worked with my dad again in Liverpool on my uncle's shed. And uh, we call it Levin Shed. And I tell you one thing, cash in the claw job. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Family job. And uh, yeah, I had some fucking mad times with, with the uncle. Lexus was working with us. And there was, one, there was one day when I was 18, he went, it was just me and him left to our devices. And I, I was 18, he was about 27. And he was like top tier Jedi of the crack, Do you know, yeah. like it was just he'd been around long enough to understand. He, he was still young and rowdy, but he was he was around long enough to understand fully the world of men and having the crack. Mm. So it was one day, you know, and he's he's also very funny, man. It's, it's non-stop stories and laughs with him. And uh, you were the kind of lad if you were sat beside him in school, you'd be moved like after a half an hour because the, the crack would be too good. So it was me and him were left alone to our own devices. And uh, he goes, oh, do you want to do a hash yogurt? And I was like, what? Yeah, do a yogurt. I said, what's that going to do? He said, I'll show you. So we went down. The, we got these Yopla yogurts, raspberry mm. and uh, an apple flavor. Tasty jobs. And he yeah. crumbled a nice, nice gram into each one. And I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And uh, I was full on tripping. And I remember bringing a wheelbarrow out full of blocks. And going down like where basically the staircase had been removed on the back of his house, and coming down the, coming down this board of wood with a wheelbarrow full of blocks, and then like it's fucking falling over, blocks yeah. went everywhere, and I got up and started laughing, and then I had a proper like visual trip out, and uh, and Paul was just fucking sitting there laughing at me, going, oh, they've kicked in. So when my brother-in-law comes back about an hour later, we were doing the underpinning around the underneath the wall in the back garden under the, the house we were doing so basically that means you just have to take out little sections and um, put reinforcement bars in there and then pour the concrete and then do the, the dry lining and the, the damp course and all this so it was a real tedious job where you had to mm. do sections of the of the foundations and then fill them up but for some reason he got so baked that he did this really ornate fine piece of masonry in one section of this rough hewn wall so my brother-in-law comes back and he sees me just staring into a, onto a rotating cement mixer with a trowel running it through the concrete. And Paul just sat in a daze <laughs> making this really detailed bit of brickwork. He wasn't very happy about that, I tell you. Yeah. But he did have a good laugh about it afterwards. 
So it was another time where uh, Paul had me dad. He got a bottle, bottle of Robinson's high juice, cut the bottom off it, and made a make a made a bucket bong. And he was like, "Oh, if any, I'll have a bit of this." <laughs> so we were doing bucket bongs, and uh, then we were just sat round blazed one Saturday night. And my dad was like, "This starts going." Uh, there's a man on that roof over there with a leather, a sniper, and he's like, "What are you on about?" He's like, "Left brain." Right laser, right laser, left brain. And uh, so that we got a good laugh out of that. And uh, and I remember Paul saying to me, look at the age of your dad. And he's willing to get on his knees in a building site and do a bucket bong. There's another lovely time as well when uh, Kinsler and Tordoff uh, came down to Dublin. We went to see Travis at the Heineken Green Energy Festival. We, We went out that night. And uh, Todd was about 15 at the time, and he went to this off-license, and he bought this bottle of Belgian cherry beer. And we were staying, and my dad and Lexus were there, and Paul and uh, <laughs> Chris came from a rather sheltered family. And he's just got these, like, working-class Irish fucking, you know, Irish cockney uh, dudes staying in, in a, on a mattress in the living room of a, of a building site. And... Uh, Paul had thrown the battered sausage into the bed beside me, Dad. <laughs> so Chris just picked up the battered sausage. We were in the room. He's like, fucking hell, man, what's going on here? And then he goes, where's my cherry beer gone? And we walked down to the kitchen. My dad had just polished it off in his mighty burr claw. And he went, Martin, your dad drank my cherry beer. And I said to me, Dad, Dad, you know you drank Chris's cherry beer? And he went, hey, I'll tell you something, son. It didn't touch the fucking sides. <laughs> uh, so you're talking there about Chris and, and all the lads. Like, how did you guys? How did you guys start off? Like, I, I know women boss to Claire Morris, 2008. Some lad ended Kennedy. Uh, uh, he said, oh, "Martin, I made this lad some leads." Are you from Liverpool? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in my house from Liverpool. Yeah, and then he met him on the bus and. It's a small, small, cheeky young fella who um, was very funny for a lot of his age, and I respected his moxie. Mm. He, he was a cheeky chap, and um, started watching Alan Partridge and, and this kind of stuff, and um, just taking the piss out of every man. There was not much to do around Swinford, so we just we'd knock around and make our own in jokes and take the piss out of stuff, and uh, just for our own entertainment, and then. I went off traveling Europe and went to college, did TV, and uh, ended up going live in Sweden with some goth bird, and uh, came back. I say that very dismissively, but Sarah was with her for two years, like the first big one, and um, yeah, came back to Ireland, working on a building site for a bit, and then um, Chris was like, "Hey, Martin, do you want to come and uh, do some characters? I've got a project in college." So I just laid down a couple of improv monologues drawn from various people from town, mm. from my dad, and uh, he cut it together, brought it to college, showed it to his mates, unfortunately lost that one. Oh. Uh, did the demo with, uh, you know, um, Salmon being picked up as a hitchhiker. My old dog, yeah. Bertie, was, was playing Chewy in the front seat. And um, then... Uh, they did that went on to Bebo, and then we did the demo that was released a year later. And then it's just one thing led to another. Fergal Darcy and Peter Ganley got onto it, and they were championing. And then Simon Keenan, who was working on the Podge and Rod show at the time, he was also filming it with us. He told us about Storyland, go on to Storyland, won that, and then the rest is kind of history from there. You know, yourself, TJ Brennan turned along with Luke, and it was like, Oh, here the shock of the spark and the showstopper, and I was like, "That lad knows things, mate." <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's uh, great memories. But for for what I, what I obviously like when that came, when you guys came out with the the first videos and all that, like you know, I think it was like the story, of the Hardy book, or something like that, on those lines. And I remember meeting like Luke, especially like watching it and just obsessively watching it, as in watching it over and over again because we found it so. You know, west of Ireland, you could relate to things so much. But one thing I always was so another thing I was impressed by is the nicknames. Like, how did you 
did you just come up with them on the spot or like how did they because every character seemed to have a, like a class nickname well we, Eddie Durkin came around because we were, we were prank phone calling this lad called Warren and um, <laughs> that was another lad who I won't mention but uh, Owen was like it was like he's basically doing this prank phone call to a lad from school and he just decided he was doing we were like pissed in Galway like around 2006 or 7 and we had technology where you could record your phone calls so we phoned up this lad on a Saturday night at a house party and uh, who was asleep in bed and he was like he was dropping the first letters off every word so he'd be like oh night man here <laughs> it's like oh who's this oh night man here own, 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 Ali Longs, Lally Longs. Who's this? Fucking Lurkin, man. Who? Fucking Eddie Durkin. So that's where, <laughs> that's where the name Eddie Durkin came from. We saw him tore off and doing, like he rang up Irish Fighter once. He was like, Yeah, is that Irish Fighter, is it? This is Irish Fighter, yeah. Yeah, how's it going, man? Yeah, I was ringing about, uh, we got a sport down in a place called Castletown, down, down in Mayo, man. It's called Block Fighting. He's like, all right, yeah. What about it? He's like, basically. And then I, I come in into the background because he, he he's pushing it too far, and I try and reel it back into like plausibility. And I'm like, basically, it's uh, two men fighting the ball alley. And he's like, all right, yeah, go, yeah. Do you want to come down and check out the scope? You know, check out the scene. Got a bit of a scene going on. Hmm. He's like, I mean, a lot of it, you know, it might be illegal, like, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it might be, but. What I'm willing to do is put um, put something down in an email or check it out, yeah? And he's like, yeah, maybe you can come down and take your taps out, spray water across each other's chests. He's like, oh, yeah, a bit of water sports, yeah. All right, lads, you have me email. You know what to do. And then, so so his style was very mean, right? Yeah. And I so and I, I, I was like, it was almost, the way he behaved was really cutting, like, and, like a viper so i started calling him the viper it was like and then my character was like the guardian of the viper so i was always in the background going don't mind him man he's on top of his side i'm sound you know what i mean so it was like <laughs> people would just be phoned up and the two of us would be like confusing one of them was reassuring and far away <laughs> the other one was like yeah you can't buzz mcdonald then came from we were watching uh running man as a character called uh buzzsaw so I just said, like, yeah, I could call him Buzzsaw McDonald. I'm just called Buzz. Uh, French Toast came from his round-the-world trip the year before. We think of a name from him. And he was saying, oh, myself, fucking Stevie B was saying, oh, sir, man. I could be a great name to call yourself French Toast at all. So I was like, yeah, use that one. I have that name. And that's what his one. And then Tommy Boo came from apparently in school. They called him Tommy Poo for some daft reason. But I thought they were calling them Tommy Boo. And I was calling them Boo Boo Dolls and Boogenhagen because we watched The Omen. I was like, if you go to Israel, we'll meet a man called Boogenhagen. And then uh, I kept calling him Boogenhagen. And one night we were in Stockholm and we were having a few pints and he was having a right rowdy one. And he, he just kept going, Boogenhagen, Boogenhagen. And uh, that's where his name came from. Salmon, actually, was played himself. Yeah. The. Um... The things you talked about there, like about like the, the shout in the background and all that, things that like really stuck out for me, and I thought like like they're almost Trevor like Trevor Brennan. Like, what's that? Trevor Brennan. Trevor... Yeah, and king size fags, and that boy knows good drift. Nineteen five. Get that child out the truck. Yeah, all that like that like you must like crease yourselves like laughing. Oh man, yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, like. We're, we've always been piss takers and we take the piss in many different ways. Like, you know what I mean? We, we take the piss with time, take the piss with money, resources, like shit we can say. You know, we were just the complete opposite of what disciplined actors and performers should have behaved. You know, not learning our lines. We're like, fuck it, why, why learn lines? You can just make them up on the spot and the funnier. <laughs> and people are like, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, we are. And we've, you know, got success doing it. It's just like, let us do it our way and, you know, you'll get some funny stuff. When you got money men on the mix, they're like, they want to know that they have a script that can guarantee what they have commissioned is going to, you know, follow a, a plan. And um, 
Yeah, basically, I always looked at how uh, Martin Scorsese directed Raging Bull, which is one of my favorite films, and uh, it was just about improvising around beats, so you know which way that you know where the story beats are going to go. And then I, I also think that when you use improv or just random shit on the day, like with that kind of irreverent, just shouting things out in the middle of something, just gives it an extra texture, an extra flavor of like rowdiness that you can that you, i mean if you if you get it you're gonna love it and if you're if you're used to watching like you know hugh laurie and stephen fry kind of richard curtis which i'm not knocking i'm just saying that if you're used to like that kind of stuff or maybe i don't know if you want to be like mainstream you like things like my family and miss brown's boys the the, the likes of that kind of humor is just going to confuse you do you know what mm. I mean? Because it's not about spelling things out. It's just, I mean, a lot of it is just for our own entertainment on that day. It's like someone would have the urge just go, nineteen five. It's like, what does that mean? Like, why, why would so, but someone's like, what is it? Someone will watch that and they're so used to being trained to pick up on um, things within shows that they'd be like, oh, this must mean something later on. It's like, no, it doesn't. It's just some <laughs> lad shouting nine times five or get the chair out of the truck. Thomas Creeby. Oh, brilliant. Like, that was, yeah. I, that, how did then, because I was actually there, because I was, myself and Lucas, super fans. When I, we went to, like, the, you're doing our, the first RT things, RT episodes, should I say. How, mm. did you, how did you find that transition from, you know, Storyland, YouTube, to the full, the full, uh, the full, the full thing, like, with, uh, with RT? Well, in the beginning, RT insisted that we used like union boys, like and a lot. Uh, some some of the them, some of the the crew, shite crack. You know, there's there's one lad in particular who I'm not going to mention any names. One, but he just didn't fucking get it, man. And he was all like, like, he just. I remember like he was sitting there like, looking at us while we were filming, being like, "How the fuck did you boys manage to fucking get a series?" But he was just like so so. You know, it was, Great man for charging 400 quid a day back then yeah. for like a, a day, like, oh, that's a day's travel, two and a half hours up the road in a fucking Jeep. And, uh, you know, he's great man for taking the money, but like literally just didn't didn't have that dynamic, uh, you know, following the, the subject matter. Everything was like static shots and it was a bit of resistance there. And, you know, it was like we were a little bit overwhelmed because we were like, Shit, this is TV. Things are getting serious now. But then the second series flowed a lot better. We got Liz Gillen as the director, and she was great. And um, like my favorite of all, it was the third series because we'd had a word with the executive producer. Won't mention any names. And we were like, you know, he'd seen the rushes and he liked what he'd seen on the day. And I were like, look, we've written the script, but can we deviate from the script? Obviously, we'll still have the same beats. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Then when he saw the rushes, and he, he shat the bed, and he was like, oh, this is ridiculous. If you don't fix what's in the script, you know, it's coming out of your end and threatened to take creative control off us. It was a real punk-ass move, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, but even still, with all that stress, Series 3 was probably my favourite of, of, of them all. Because that's when started getting people in like Charlotte Bradley, who's like a you know well known actor, um Noreen's dad, you know, his father was in Father Ted and um we had Steve Brody from The Office, Life's Too Short and yeah. uh Amanda Nucci show, Richie Neville from Five, John O'Kearns who played Robbie O'Schnockter, Eugene Greeny who played Terry Durkin. You know, there was a, there was a load of really fun people who were coming on then. And series four, we only had like enough for the RC only had enough for four episodes and they clicked our wings a good bit based on what happened with series three. So it didn't have that same kind of loose anything goes vibe. And I remember at the time when we were filming, I just didn't really get the same amount of laughs when we were filming. I was thinking, is this because it's not funny or is it because we're just so used to doing mad shit that, you know, it takes a lot to really make us laugh? Yeah, uh, but then when I rewatched re series four lately, the Jimmy the Hammer episode, and there's some very funny stuff in it. And and have you got um, have you got any plans for 
for another season or or any crack yes down there? i do i'm working on it now i'm actually i've actually started um the ball rolling so i've got a few bits and pieces i have to do um over, over the weekend to just get get it get the proposal whipped up into shape and don't know where we're going to take it but i've also written some other episodes for uh for a friend of mine in in the states but um so i've got six episodes there. i don't know i need to talk to him about that but they could be done as youtube episodes in the interim so i need i need to figure that out we'll see how that goes that's all depending on our um friends crypto portfolio and i've seen today that jumped up a good bit so if it goes back up to 2021 levels we'll be doing a little internet series and hopefully get that get a fifth series as well i mean basically i've got to say like this i've got to say these things out loud to hold myself accountable to doing it because the last couple of years have been a bit of a shit show with the pandemic and also you know i got divorced and you know there's you know it's a sad part of life but there was a hell of a lot of you know readjusting moving houses and you know being a being a full-on parent half the time and kind of felt a bit like a pandemic came along and it was kind of like a nice opportunity for me just to kind of take a step back and just you know because I was, I was just constantly you know trying to um do live shows and and i just kind of you know i got a bit tired and, and it, yeah it t- takes it out of you having to say bye to the kids so often and then when you're in ireland saying bye to the family in ireland and kind of i felt a little bit run ragged so the the pandemic as boring as it was you know i, I used it as a as a night well that and i'm just you know the the, the life after divorce as well so it's it like two major major paradigm shifts occurred uh, simultaneously but uh now i feel i've just turned 40 um thank god things have started to kind of like settle down and, and find their own rhythm now and uh, i feel like okay this is a year now turned 40 and uh it's time to pull the finger out and make up for the lost time uh but i think it, uh, you know the last couple of years i think it was just important for me to step back and just reevaluate the most important things which is you know family and and you know looking after myself and and uh just, just being present for the kids really and and i think it's a good thing just to when, when you're in the middle of the whole show business game you're just constantly fucking chasing shadows and i think that just being away from all that and, and working in normal jobs i think for me it's been really good to just basically find who it is that I am and who I and get back to who I was before t- uh, the TV happened. And I think, you know, when you, when you're in the world of media and TV, you have to be very guarded and very aware of what it is that you're saying. And, and, I, and at this stage, I'm like, the thing that made us so good was the fact we didn't give a shit yeah. what people thought, you know, playing the game. And I realized that it's not a one, it's, it's not a, a lack of talent that doesn't get me further. In terms of like, you know, you look at the likes of, you know, uh, Brendan Gleeson, Colin Farrell and the boys and the McDonough, you know, films. That's a, that's basically, those lads are always going to be golden. Do you know what I mean? And, and no matter what they do, they'll always be in work and making fat wedge. And, um, and I, you know, that's something that I, I feel like I was trying to get to that level earlier in my career where now I'm like, I'm not asked about hollywood and you know it's it's a i see the other side like that it's it's a very it's a it's an industry where you could be you could be sacked and you know and and the phone stops ringing and it's something you're not even aware of, of what you've done wrong something you've said in an interview or maybe like you've 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 made a film and and it didn't do as well as it should have done in the box office and the people talking behind your back and before you know it like no one wants to have anything to do with you so I was thinking I'd rather, you know, I'd rather just do my own thing. And I think that's what Chris Chris was about many years ago. And I kind of didn't really get it. I was like, okay, we've got an opportunity to make it really big here. And I think for him, he was like, I'd rather have my own thing on my own terms and do things my own way than have to, you know, bend the knee for... Yeah executive types so i get that now a few years later and whereas the time i kind of you know i suppose i was maybe seeking the the big money and the glory from it and you kind of look at it some of the these hollywood types and you're like 
they're just living on a different fucking planet, man. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and and I I did I have to say I did get swept up in all that. Whereas, you know, you, you kind of you think you're great because you've been up on stage and you you know or you've been in films and you know nothing like. I think everyone needs. Uh, it's like I was listening to the uh, the Brighton coach girlfriend was telling me that he started off with um, Sundsvall and then he got them into the Europa League and then with Brighton he like they're in sixth place now in the, in the Premiership. But what he did is he he took the first team to um, a drama school to basically show them. That you might be you might be good at football, but you shit at drama, and therefore, mm-hmm. you know, just to show you is that you know, like, just because you're good at one thing, doesn't mean you're. And it's also a good team building exercise that they all kind of worked on something different. And apparently, he yeah. took the Brighton team to ballet. <laughs> like, that's good. That's you know, good. It's a genius move. So I think every now and again, it doesn't matter how good you are in 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 whatever field that you that you might excel in, you need you need to kind of just be taken down to earth again and just be like look you know just you make a fucking co- a low budget comedy show it's, it's not it's not the be all and end all and I know it means a lot to the people who get it but in terms of of where, where the, the Hardy books and where we are as performers we're still very very much um, an unknown quantity and you know the, the, it could you know things could happen where I think also as well people have been very guarded over the past few years with saying things that could get them cancelled mm-hmm. and it's and if and self-censorship is the death of art to uh to quote marcus maher friend of mine um and he, he you know it is it's like if, if people are self-censoring things that are funny in terms of comedy then you know you're not being like the what makes what makes comedy appealing and, and authentic is those who have the, the guts to push it and and to get that get that laughter out of things that you know it, it, comedy is something that disarms very tense situations and there's you know certain organizations that don't that, that outlaw any kind of comedy you know dictatorships you know they know the power of humor and the fact that even the most serious things like sports you'll often see like sports like uh, sporting events and the Hardy books don't work because we're such piss takers. So, like, we were doing something with the GAA a couple of years ago and they cancelled the videos on us because oh, they'd said, like, I we, was brought actually... the, Sorry. The, the, we, we brought the organisation into disrepute, disrepute. But it's the fact that these managers on the board of the GAA, they're all, like, fucking serious. A lot of them are serious company heads that are, like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll do another AIB all stars and it's like the passion the pride lads hitting the fucking schlitter into a tire hanging from a branch on the hilltop silhouetted oh 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 the all stars you know when it's yeah and we come along and it's like me and owen are on uh on the the football pitch in milebush park and chris had chroma keyed us with a background over Vietnam going, we need more Hurleys down there, quick! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like taking the piss. Was that the, was... Was that the video, was, sorry, was that the video, the um, the All-Ireland Tickets video? Was that... Yeah, that was one of them as well. That was... Patricky. That was one of the, like, I, one of my friends listening, Walter Burke was listening, and that... Man, line, Walter, and he cracked Burkeen. He... You know that line. I, I can't say it. Myself. No, I can't. You know the. Um, you know you, you and Butters are talking about how. Uh, oh yeah. What else can you get? Well, I'm not on about tickets. You know that. That's, that's <laughs> brilliant. That's absolutely. I couldn't find it recently. Oh, two men only known by their names, Eddie and Buzz. <laughs> Cash for tickets. It, is was that taken off? Was that been removed or? Or can you? Um, oh no, they're all up there. Like, but oh, it's just cool. it didn't. It, it wasn't allowed on the Elvries. And fair play to the Elvries guys, man. They they were good crack and, and you know they were they were happy to work with us. Just that the GAA big wigs were like, no, this is this is too much fun. And that's why like sports stars and comedians, it's a weird one because a lot of sp- like high high end top tier sports stars, 
they're just so about themselves and so serious about their game plan and uh you know everything is like branding deals and you know it's it's like I look at Rory McIlroy for example like you can imagine you can imagine he'd be very like very squeaky clean public image and you know the job of co- comedian is to like gives a fuck about my public image man I'm yeah. I'm a nutter from day one and to pretend anything else is you know as as John Lennon would say the fool on the hill sees the world spinning round and I've got an airport named after me in Liverpool. Uh, he didn't say those words in particular, but you get the gist, yeah. TJ. And how about um, cause you, you? You spoke there about like how the last couple of years have been, obviously, like some big, big uh, changes in your life. Oh how, fuck! Oh fuck! How how long have you lived in Sweden? Are you there? The, Fucking you... too long, man. Too long. What's it like? It sound like come over to me sometime. I'll look after you, take you out for a few pints, sort you out. That sounds good. They, 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 no, um... it's, it's it's grand life, but it's not the most. Um, have you what what famous Swedish stand up comedians do you know? Yeah, uh, what? no, case closed. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, it's 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 um, there's some funny Swedes here, like don't get me wrong, but it's just yeah. like it's, it's very serious. All right. And how does that fit with you? Like, is he, I mean, do you, uh, like, is more... Well, you can imagine how there? that... I, like, I was uh, I was going for a teaching job there recently. Right. Doing, uh, like, someone said, do you want a job teaching? I was like, oh, it's de- decent money and whatnot. And, um, soft enough, you know, doing art and woodwork. And I was like, yeah, sound, I'll, I'll give it a go. Yeah. And I, like, to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't overly serious about getting it either. I was like... But uh, I went in there, and the principal, she was running a really tight ship. There was about a 1,000 students in there, and uh, she was asking me, did I have kids? I went, I do, yeah, two I know of. <laughs> it was like an Irish girl and, and, a, and, a, and a Liverpool girl in the, and, uh, you know, and the pair of them burst out laughing, and I could just see the, the principal was just like, it's one of the most inappropriate things to ever say in an interview. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was like, needless to say, I didn't get the job. But to be quite honest, I didn't want it either. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like school, man. So I was working. I was working as music teacher before a couple of years ago in school. Ended up getting fired because uh, we just there was some jealous prick, two jealous pricks, some English bastard, and, and and some Swedish fucking RoboCop man. They just they teamed up, man. They, they, because uh, there was this this kid, Polish kid, Polish Swedish kid called I won't give his name out, but. Uh, he said, oh, Mr. Maloney, can you please stay here? You're like the coolest teacher we've ever had. And I was like, ah, give us another week, max. Sure enough, good luck. <laughs> so uh, I just, uh, school, man, I mean, I, I make a good teacher. And uh, and um, I'd, I certainly have a lot of passion and engagement with the kids. But uh, I'd be too, the, this particular school is very rule-orientated. Where I'd, be, I'd be better off. might be. Gone yeah, it's a bit culty as well. Like it's a bit, it's a bit fucking, it's a bit wishy washy. I don't really know what the what the crack is. It's like if you've ever been to one of these evangelical masses, and uh, you go there and there's like lots of offering thanks and and singing and whatnot. But it's like coming from a Catholic ma- you know background, and then you're like, where's the standing up and kneeling bit? Where's the creed? Where's where's the expectation before going for the horse? You know, like there's, yeah, you know what I mean? There's there's, there's no struck there's no like. It's like a private, private group. I own this. Uh, I've got these schools over here, and I was just like, "Nah, man, it's not my ball game at all." Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the pandemic and all that. You didn't know what the fuck was going on. Was Ireland ever going to open up again? And you know, you had to start looking at other avenues of uh, of uh, of wedge, bowling and coins, and uh... oh, the bowling man. And and listen, between you and me, TJ, the old bowling into the paw. The nicest bit of the ball in you'll ever get. How tell 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 us about um because uh, you, you know obviously a lot of comedy you've done, but like Vikings, like how you said there you're when you're recording like the early series of Hardy books and mm-hmm. this Mr. Man in his big Range Rover saying how'd you get a series? How did it feel in to like go into a big a big a big series like Vikings? It was nice. It's a shame I didn't get a bigger partner, though, to be honest with you. And they really, like, when I went on to the Vikings, they were like, oh, have you met Mo Dunford yet? And uh, I was like, everyone keeps talking about Mo, man. And, and I hadn't watched the Vikings before. 
funny enough, like today I was watching, I was putting on a, a DVD. I've got a load of DVDs downstairs and Ellis, my son, he was putting on Alvin of the Chipmunks. I didn't realize how old it was from like 2006. It was like that video, you wouldn't steal a car. Yeah. You wouldn't steal a handbag. You know, uh, that came yeah, on. I was yeah. like, God, I haven't seen this in a long time. Yeah. And then it was, uh, there's a trailer for this thing called Fire Dog or, or you know, it was a story about a, some sort of wonder terrier. And I noticed the lad in it. I was like, look, I was like, I know, I know that lad from somewhere. And that was actually Bjorn, the guy who went on to play uh, Bjorn Ironside. I met him once when I was uh, on my first day in Ashwood. But uh, I really enjoyed Vikings. Like when I got the part, I was like, fucking hell, man, nice one. I've, I've been casting it. And then, uh, unfortunately, it was uh, the character was done in in a, in a very dramatic way. And uh, for me, I think that was it was a good. It was a good showcase of uh, drama. I mean, it doesn't get any more bloody dramatic than you know being ripped apart between mm. a tree stump and a and a and a sapling. And um, yeah, and then after that, then when I finally came out, I was like, okay, now start now it's time to to really push for bigger roles. And then the pandemic came. And, um, yeah, you know, it's just kind of like, and I was about to like really just give it a good surge. And then that happened. It kind of took the momentum out of everything then. And then when, when the, the pandemic was on, I didn't really want to go, you know, all these restrictions and, you know, I'm, you know, ma- va- <laughs> sorry, I'm stuttering, uh, mandatory vaccinations, this kind of stuff. I was like, nah, man, I said, I thought this doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm. And so I was like, well, I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I was skeptical about it. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to get it done. And then I started, the more it was kind of like, they were, you know, bribing people in the States to take it or forbidding yeah. people, the, the less inclined, you know, if, if someone really, like I'm the kind of person, the more someone tells me do something, the the, the, le- but the more I'm like, nah, mate, I'm not doing that. You know, and, uh, uh, and, and you know, like things have, yeah, it's been it's been proven now that it, it didn't do fuck all, and there has been a lot of side effects. But that's not something I want to get into, man. I'm I'm happy that that's in the past. And um, but yeah, that's that's another reason why I was just like, if I never work in TV again, I'm I will stick by my um, convictions on this one. Like, um, and um, you know, and no disrespect for anybody who who had to to take it or wanted to take it. You know, it's just about I think should have just been something that should have been left up to people to make their own decisions. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, um, I think, I think we're living in a day and age where you've just got like top down psychological operations designed to guilt trip and fool the masses into, into facilitating an agenda that isn't necessarily beneficial to them. So that's a bit of serious chapter yeah, for you, yeah, TJ. Yeah, Let me much. just say, tits, willies, just to, just to diffuse from King that. King-size fags. King-size fags. Benson's in the claw. <laughs> no, but it's, um, it's obviously it's all good points here you're making. And it's like, from your perspective, and obviously living living abroad a bit further than I am than home. Like, Banked up abroad. <laughs> on TV3. The So what's the what's what's next for, for Marcin? What's the... What's on the well, I reckon this year? get a series five done. I'm gonna start doing some live gigs again. Back out doing live shows, and um, got a TV show that's been been fucking. It's been on the shelf for about ten years. Called Parallel Live. I want to get that going, and I want to get Danny and the Alien going as well, which is what's, uh, a, a story about Danny Dyer teams up with a benevolent alien to fight an even uh, like a, a bunch of intergalactic wrongins that have somehow got caught up in the Cockney underworld. So uh, that's, a, that's a feature film I would like to get with Danny Dyer. And if Danny Dyer can't do it, I'm sure Alan Woodyatt, who played Ian Beale, would definitely be happy with the role. Shouting mag uh, at everyone. Yeah. And be like, oh, you mag. So uh, I think B- Bilo and the Alien would be a fucking great one as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could have uh, Phil Mitchell playing Xenu. You're, you're always a big man for the, the guitar as well. Like you, you oh. Strumming away. Storming away. Actually, that's something that I have been doing is playing a lot of music, and uh, my musical ability is uh, it's it's at a professional standard of playing. You know, like when back and that's something I always wanted to be good at doing, and never really, you know, never really had the playing house parties and that kind of thing. But now, I mean, it's no problem for me to get up and just play music. 
in, in front of any crowd. So that that's something that I've I've been working on mastering, and uh, that's definitely another thing for for a live. Definitely something that I can, you know, like I've, I've been, that's that's how I've been primarily making me bread and butter the last couple of years by by doing gigs, and um, covers, written stuff for both. But a uh, bit of both, yeah. Usually, but I, I'm thinking, you know, again, much like when I was saying earlier on the podcast, was like, well, what do I, what do I do the videos about? What do I do the writing about? Mm. Um, I, I was having a little bit of a think yesterday. And I was like, yeah, I think I can. I know how to, how to get. I know, I know the trajectory of where to take that as well. So um, I think, I think my thing is, I just need to sit down every now and again and have a think, which I don't really do. I suppose my my biggest my biggest uh, distraction is the internet. You know what I mean? Trying to get anything done, and it's just like yeah. Twitter and YouTube and all that shit. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, if if you just if you can if I can take like ten fifteen minutes lying in bed of a night, have a think, when there's no distractions, that's usually when I'll be like, okay, that's a great idea. I, could, I should I should continue on with that train of thought, and um, and then just write them down and. And then start fleshing it out and just stick to one thing. And I think this year I'm I'm I've I've had enough of sitting watching mediocrity and I think it's time to to make some groundbreaking content again, to be quite honest with you. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well that's a that's a, a good positive note, I think, to to, to round up on. Uh, kind of la- uh, just last point yourself, Martin. Anything else anything else you want to bring up or talk about or um, there's going to be a few more episodes of the Hardy book coming up. Uh, I, I've, I've started rewriting a whole load of it, um, but I, I'd like to get that book published this year as well, finished and, and edited, and, and maybe do an, a proper audio book for that to be released and a, a hard cover, hard copy of it as well. Because uh, I just think that'd be great for anyone who's who's like traveling, especially if you're away from home and you read the Hardy book and you, you know. Mm-hmm there's so many small little details in that in that but if you want to hear that if you go onto the hardy books podcast and uh the last few episodes have been the hardy book and uh i think i'm going to be doing on tuesday a document or um, a podcast with john Caleri as well and hopefully i think i'm supposed to get david savage on as well but i haven't really chased them up i meant to ring him back and we'll see what the crack is we'll see what the crack is but I'm, i've got to, i've got to get the uh got to get the uh the irons in the fire now and start start getting busy. Yeah. Stop 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 being distracted. Start getting focused and start getting shit done. Right, and that's a that's a great way to be. I I, uh, I echo those thoughts myself. Good lad, so, TJ. Good lad, mate. And thanks very much for having us on. I know we've been planning this for a while, but uh, fair play to you, man. You were one of the OGs. You were there for the Nakamuru jab jab. So uh, some good times. Uh, some good times and. Come over to Stockholm, so it's one look after you. 100%. Brilliant. All Thanks right, a lot. Pop.